Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the beautiful game network Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, uh, It's we missed last week, uh, had a bit of a snafu. We're going to be recapping uh, three games. Uh, we're just going to smush them all together and see what comes out. Little uh, soccer sausage, uh, if you will. Um, we'll talk about the season so far and, and what we think of uh, how players are progressing. We're going to preview the match against uh, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds this Friday. Uh, maybe my first match back in MSU. Fingers crossed. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, an incident that happened in the Latin United match. Latin United, is that right? Yes. Yeah, Latin United FC match. All of this tonight on Raising Bulls. Joining me, as always, well, as sometimes I should always say, Mr. Anthony Merced of the Red Bulls News Network. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Joe. How are you? It's good to talk about three games. It is good to talk about games, period. I like the games part. It's everything else I don't like about this. <laughs> it sounds like a you problem. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> and also, Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. How are you? Uh, I'm great. We're, the Joes are outnumbering the Anthonys. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Single syllables versus multiple. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, we're we're full on into the season now. Five games in. I think we've learned a lot about the team, especially over the last three matches. Um, No surprise, really, for uh, the loss to Miami. Good to see them get a, a rebound win over Loudon. Uh, and great to see them fight back in the Charleston Battery game. That's a 1-0 loss to Miami, 2-1 to Loudon, 2-2 to Charleston. I want to talk about uh, the good and the bad of these matches. Let's start with the bad so we can end on a high note. Uh, what? I'll, I'll start with you, Anthony. What's something that uh, you saw from the team that is maybe a troubling uh, indicator for what is to come? Uh, well, they're not good at starting games. First off, I think we saw that at its worst during the Charleston game. Um, they they are not applying the tactics early. They're not letting. They're not getting into the game fast enough. I again, I, I don't want to make excuses for them and say that they'll they will grow into that because we'll see that as as the year goes on. But it's plainly obvious that they that as a team that's so young, they're looking to absorb what Walnick and the Red Bulls are trying to get them to do. And on occasions, it works really well. And when it doesn't work well, we're seeing veteran teams really take advantage of them. Yeah, I think that to me is the biggest thing is when you watch uh, a more physical veteran side, uh, that is, I mean, USL in general is that way. But when you watch a team like Charleston um, or Miami come out against the Red Bulls, they can just kind of knock these guys around. A lot of these guys are teenagers, um, not quite even you know fully uh, built into their adult bodies yet. And so the tactic that teams have taken over the last couple of years is, is be physical against the Red Bulls and you can get good results. We're seeing that, I think, to the nth degree right now. Joe, what about you? What, uh, what things do you, have you seen that are troubling to you? Um, well, Anthony hit the head nail on the head with the with like their ability that they start slow. Um, the other thing I would say is there's not I don't think there's enough creativity in the team right now, which is really starting like hampering them going forward outside of Jake LaCava. I mean, I really haven't seen anybody, you know, try and take the initiative to create something going forward. 
uh, especially in the Miami game. They didn't really create much, and they struggled for long stretches in the Loudon game, too. Uh, and up until like late in that second half, you know, when the game became more open, they started creating more. But um, they're really lacking um, like uh, someone besides LaCava that can come like can come out and create chances for them. Yeah. And I think that's something that you're seeing at both levels right now where uh, the, the pressing seems to be a little bit better than it has over the last couple of years. But once they got the ball turned over it seems like they're not ready to take that next step yet. Like uh, uh, the underpants gnomes They're step one, uh, press the ball into a turnover. Step two <laughs> crickets, step three, score goals. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. They don't have like Lacava, I think has done an okay job. I'm not sure if he is playing up to what I expected from him. I think Omar. So is doing a good job of that. Uh, Dan Edelman too has done a, a nice job of, <laughs> of creating some chances. And then, you know, there's a lot of, of, of maybe um, static uh, or I guess lack of movement, a static movement in, in and around the box or, uh, you know, waiting too long to take shots or trying to pass the ball into the net, all things I think we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, and again, I think that maybe it's turned up to 11 because you have so many new pros. Well, also, I, I do want to say something about Omar So because you brought him up. Um, that is probably the secret weapon of this team. He needs somebody that can unleash his first touch ability because we saw that in 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 his goal. I believe it was the Loudon goal, the the opening goal of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, his first touch is phenomenal, but he can't make something from nothing on his own. He's not one of those strikers that can carry the ball from the midfield and just run it all the way up and make the play himself. So he needs a playmaker to accentuate the best parts of his ability. If they can find that, they will find the goals that they've been looking for in these last, in the early part of the season. Yeah. Well, I I think there's probably a, there's a, a Omar. So that's caught in, in two minds because his, his best spot is right in front of you know the six yard box and, and being in the box and uh, getting on the end of balls and, and finding those chances like you said uh, but he can play the deeper creative role but no one in front of him is finishing either so it, it I think it's a real tough spot for him and I they need a guy uh, you know Caden Clark played that role last year um, oh. you, you know Vincent Bezicord or Florian Velo in the past they don't have that guy who can just unlock the defenses and trying to get him to do everything. I, I think he's capable of doing it, but he needs more uh, from the other players around him for sure. Any uh, any other? Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> what are you going to say, Anthony? I just said Europe. Europe. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel. I, I. Yeah. Again, I feel like they just. Even like you know, I. I feel like they're wing like the like the backs would get forward more too and, you know, provide some service into the box or something like that. And I feel like they, I feel like they've been inconsistent. Castillo and Zelensky haven't really been um, like, I, I don't know if they've, they've moved, they've kind of gone forward at times and then sometimes they're just kind of hanging back there. I don't know. Like, I feel like, again, like you mentioned, after they win the ball off the press, they, they know they get it and they just kind of like panic. I don't know if they just, they haven't settled in yet. 
Yeah, there's like a I, lot. I, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Anthony. I'll let you. Yeah, you I was go. gonna say this is where I think I need. I think they need to be a little bit more of their own team, and we've talked about this in the past with Red Bull too, how they mimic the first team in a lot of ways. And I don't necessarily think, and we've talked. To, I've talked to John a few times, John Walneck a few times before the game, and they talked about integrating the first team with this team, which is normal for Red Bull too. Um, I, I think that they need, based on the talent that they have, their own identity, their own formation. And I don't know if mimicking the first team, despite the fact that they work with them, is really going to work for the, te- for the skills that are currently available to them. I don't know if this is a two-striker team. This might be a, a 4-2-3-1 team. Um, this might be a team that's better off with the ball at their feet. So we're going to have to see how, how it works out. But they're not necessarily in the same level as Schubert's first team Well, that, in regards I, to I formation. I think for sure that's true. And not just formation, but personnel. You've got uh, Omar So, Jeremy Raffanello, Jake LaCava, um, and Raul Mitchell all playing together uh, at points. And you know, throwing four strikers on the field is a tough a tough ask for a team that relies so much on everyone defending and defending at a very high level. And I think that's been a problem too. Um, all right, let's switch to, to what is good for me. I'm going to steal this from, from either of you to start, but uh, AJ Marcucci, I thought, you know, he had that real bad mistake in the Charleston match where uh, he takes way too much time on the ball to clear it, uh, gets stolen from him and uh, former, uh, Red Bull two player Zaracostra uh, uh, scores the goal, but otherwise, I thought he's been very solid. Great reflexes, good command of the box, isn't afraid to come out and you know grab the ball literally off of of uh, the heads of the opposing team. He's been he's been very impressive to me. He had a, he he did not have a good game, or I should say, he did not have a good first half. Even the second goal um, in the Charleston game, you could say. Either don't touch that ball or make sure you grab it or yeah. knock it out of bounds. That's fair. Um, he got a lot better in the second half, but I, I do agree with you. He's been an incredible bright spot over the last three games. I'm not sure. I mean, his, his performance has shown why he's gotten more starts over over Luca Lewis. But I, you know, I, there's going to be a lot of rotation between those two guys. But right now, if you're putting them head in head. I, I think Anthony Marcucci is definitely the guy that's coming out in front. I see the Anthony's sticking together. What? Well, uh, so yep. who's who's somebody that's stood up for you so far, Joe? Uh, I would say I would go back to the Charleston game and say Raw Mitchell. With uh, I thought he had a very good second half in that game, and um, I mean I, I I I'm hoping he could build on that. Um, but I would I would say Daniel Edelman. Uh, we mentioned him before. I, I I really enjoy the way he plays in the middle of the field. Uh, he's very he's not the biggest guy, but he's he imposes himself on the game, and he really isn't afraid to kind of um, get into challenges. Make you know he he's a little bit risky at times. Takes a, you know takes a couple dumb fouls at times. I think he took one in the uh, he got a, he got yellow carded. I think in the Loudon game and the Charleston game early in the first half, but. Uh, I really do like the way he plays and um, especially like, you know, the way he pushes the ball forward, the way um, just the way he commands the center, uh, the center of the field. I think that's very fair. Anthony, do you have another player that uh, that you want to highlight? I mean, I've talked about the two guys the most. I, I think Omar. So Omar, so I can see moving into Red Bull 
MLS in the next year and a half. I, I'm very, very incredibly high on him from what I see. The one thing I, I will say, talking in Joe Goldstein, just reminded me of this. Um, we've seen a lot of yellow cards in mm-hmm. the last two games in particular. And, and, and I think that this team needs to work on their discipline in, in a lot of ways, specifically that midfield. We're, we're seeing a lot of guys coming in and getting yellows that, that may affect them two or three weeks from now where you, where you start seeing guys having suspensions. The veteran teams are taking advantage of that and leaning into some of these fouls, going down a little bit too light, things, things like that, which are things you learn how to do as, as you get further along in the game. But back to your original question, definitely Omar Stowe is one of those guys that like I, I just want to see him on that sheet every single week. I think that's very fair. Just to uh, highlight what you had said, 18 yellow cards through their first five games. That's a lot. Oh. It's a lot to go through, guys. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I think Dan Edelman has a, a good amount of those. <laughs> I'm not sure the number. I'd have to look, but yes. Yeah, pull if, your foot back, kid. <laughs> if, if they're leading at a stat uh, uh, anywhere in the league, I think that's going to be the one in discipline. Let's see. Um, oh, is this only red cards? Oh, yellow cards. Dan Edelman, what I say? Top of the league, baby. Four <laughs> yellow cards in the first five games. You cannot keep that up. They The Red Bulls, too, <laughs> also leading the league by a lot. Uh, 18 yellow cards. Phoenix is next with 13. Uh, yes, definitely going to need to figure out a, a way to stay a little bit more disciplined in these matches. Um, I want to talk about uh, two other guys who I don't necessarily think um, have, have clicked uh, perfectly on the back line, but I think are doing a very admirable job. Both these guys really not being familiar with each other and um, playing in a, uh, a, um, a system where the responsibility on the center backs is so high, but I think uh, Amir Tombol looks legit. I've really enjoyed watching him play. And uh, um, I think that he does a very nice job of just imposing himself. I think uh, he and uh, Manny Egbo have been overrun a little bit at times. You know, I think there's there's been a lot of, of turnover leading to a lot of chances and, and players running at them. And despite being overrun in so many of these matches where they're just getting shellacked uh, in the midfield, they're hanging in all of these games. You know, 1-0 lost to Miami, who I think was all over them. They, it really mm-hmm. didn't look like it was an even contest mm-hmm. in any way, but they managed to keep them mostly off the board. And the goal itself is kind of a fluky play, right? Speedy Williams uh, taking a shot from the top of the box that uh, uh, hits the crossbar but deflects down. These aren't these aren't terrible games. And with the team not – well, definitely not playing up to their full potential – I like these kinds of results, you know, battling back against Charleston and, and getting the win in Loudoun. All of that is great. And uh, Egbo, just in general, I think, as uh, sort of the veteran leader, he's a young guy, but he's the veteran leader on this squad. Uh, he's he's looked fantastic. I've really appreciated what he's done. Yeah, he might not be um, a Red Bull 2 player for incredibly long, depending <laughs> on what happens in the first team with uh, the center back issues. So. We uh we may not be talking too much about him. You might have to look to an MLS show to hear about him. <laughs> do, you, do you think that Egbo would be able to transition to, to center back in MLS? I feel like he's a little undersized for it. Perhaps, but look, there's there's not many options at this point, especially with what happened with Reyes this past weekend. That's very true. What what a crazy <laughs> debut for Andre Reyes in MLS. Um, 
yeah, I think that we hit all the, the things that, uh, or all the players that I think I wanted to highlight. Uh, we've talked about Kyle Zayats, that, uh, his absence is, is being felt. I think, um, Pairing him with Edelman at some point is going to be a really interesting and fun thing. We got to figure out who is going to be creating the chances from the midfield. Um, but there are some solid pieces in here. We just got to see how they develop. Raul Mitchell, who I thought was great this last week, he's not going to be with the team all year. He's he's not a uh, a pro sign player yet, right? Isn't he going to college in the fall? I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think he's been terrific, and um, I'm excited to see what he can do in the limited time he's here. But um, they're definitely going to need some some other pieces to do some work up top. So Omar So isn't uh, on an island. Uh, and look, oh, we talked a little bit about Lakava, but I think he's not really playing up to what I expected from him so far either. And I don't think that um, I don't think he's been bad. It just seems like he's missing something. Like maybe it's playing out on the wing doesn't. Uh, doesn't necessarily highlight his best attributes, uh, but I feel like he's a guy that I expected a little bit more from coming into the season, and we haven't quite seen it delivered yet. Depends on what you expected, because like you said, he's playing more in the wing. He's playing more of an advanced role. Um, he's got goals, and he's yeah. been involved in goal-scoring plays, so if, if, if that was your benchmark, then he's 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 met that, but if you were looking for something else being on the ball more than no, he has not been, but that's not what they've asked him to do so far this year. Yeah. Being on the ball a little bit more uh, in transition is one thing. I think uh, his defending is better than it was last year, but still not quite to where it should be. And I think that, you know, looking at this team in terms of the turnovers that they've, they've had in the midfield that lead to chances against them and uh, uh, defensive fragility, having a guy like Lakava be a little bit more um, disciplined in the way that he's defending, I think would help the, the wing backs getting overrun is something that uh, is definitely troubling. Joe, any, yeah. any other things you'd like to add to the hodgepodge of that first segment? <laughs> um, I, 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 I want to go. I think I wanted to go back to what you said about how they've they've really kind of grinded out these. Even though they're losing these games, they're still close games, and I think that's something that we aren't really too familiar with this team over the past few years. Because when they've like lost games, they've they've lost them big, like four one three one, especially. And I also do want to say um, they've looked oh they've looked good on the road this year too, which is something they've struggled with in years past as well. So I mean, picking up. I mean, I know they haven't won. Uh, they haven't won a game. I don't think uh, the la- the Loudon game was on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. That's correct. Um, they haven't won a game at Montclair yet, but them picking up points on the road if they want to make the playoffs is something that's important, and that's something that over the year over the years they really have struggled with. One hundred percent. They got to start winning at home, though, uh, for that to matter. This is uh, uh, the 2016 team. <laughs> they would they would go out on the road and win and uh, draw, <laughs> and then they couldn't get wins at home. Okay, uh, all three matches combined. Let's get like a a um, a mega man of the match. I guess it would be like man of the week or <laughs> week and a half. I don't know. Uh, who who's been your player over that three game stretch that uh, stood out the most? 
Mega Man of the Mass. Mega Man. Now, of the match. now, now you have me thinking of the video game. Mega Man Three is still the best one. But oh, anyway, come on, Mega Man Two. Oh. We're gonna have the biggest fight about this. Gosh. We're not gonna talk about this right now. Um, I I, I want to say uh, it's hard to say. I want to say Marcucci, but that that one half makes me go back and forth. But I think that he was so instrumental in the the Loudon game and the second half of the Charleston game that he's he's the guy that I'm looking to. I think that's fair. Joe Steen, putting you on the spot. Who you got? <laughs> I will also say Marcucci. Um, again, outside of the, the first half in Char- against Charleston, I think he's been um, way better than I expected. And uh, I really want to see him continue to have great games. And are you too young to weigh in on the Mega Man fight? Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm pleased. <laughs> that means you're too young. That's right. But co- I mean, yes, I, I am, you 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 can say Mega Man X. Or are you really that young? No, he's even younger than that. You came oh, out when boy. it was when the Switch came out. That's when you were born, Joe. Oh boy! No, 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 no. no. I had a, I had a Game Boy Color. Oh, okay, so. all right. Oh goodness. <laughs> That's a 90s baby, if I ever heard one. Um, okay. Uh, 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 a battle between Mega Man 3 or Mega Man 2. I'm going to give it to uh, AJ Marcucci as well. Uh, he kind of looks like Mega Man a little bit. You know, you get the uh, the helmet off, Rockman's brown hair blowing in the breeze on the NES. Sure. That's AJ Marcucci. Um, excellent. Nice job, AJ. Well done. Um, That's his new nickname moving forward. Mega, Mega Man. Man. We're going to call him Mega Man? <laughs> All right. I, I can't see that as like an insult, so I'll check it with him. It definitely is how, not. Right? <laughs> um, all right. We, we've got Bob Lilly and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds coming to Montclair. And normally, uh, I guess at the beginning of the season, we've seen Bob Lilly struggle like this, but... Oh, two and one through their first three matches, negative four goal differential before anyone, uh, you know, gets excited about that. They've lost to Tampa Bay, number one in the East or in the Atlantic division and Charlotte, number three, and they drew against Hartford. So, okay, they didn't get any wins and they kind of got their butts beat by uh, Tampa Bay, but they're playing fairly good teams. There's not a lot that I think you can necessarily learn about their position in this division at this moment. They are 0-2-1 on the road. Oh, wait, no. 0-1-1, sorry, on the road with a negative three goal differential thanks to a 3-0 loss to Tampa Bay. Uh, And they have a a solid group of players. Hugh Dixon, veteran defender. He's been uh, all around the USL. I think he might even have a podcast or did have a podcast on BGN at one point. Uh, (laughs) Preston Kilween. We know that guy, big X fan. Red Bull <laughs> uh, yeah, ex Red Bull too. Uh, obviously, he's got something uh, that Bob Lilly likes. Uh, he is very picky and choosy about his defensive players, thanks to his setup. Former U.S. national team uh, starlet, I don't think is the right way, but I think a lot of people had a lot of hopes in him. Josh Gott, uh, he was a very pacey winger at one point, had a couple of rough injuries that uh, derailed his career. Now he's in USL. But they've got Canardo Forbes, Alex Dixon, Albert Dickwa, Russell Cicerone, a, another solid group of players who have been in the league for a long time. But they are all struggling to score 
goals. I don't think you could necessarily ever count out a Bob Lilly team, but this is certainly one that doesn't have its identity yet. Anthony, through their first three matches, what have you seen? The the one thing in particular I've seen from them is that they have negative pace. Yeah. They do not run well. But the one thing they do very well is they disrupt the teams around them. All Bob Lilly teams are great at this. They they whatever your game plan is as a team, they will disrupt it in, in some way or form. They'll either be overly physical or they'll make sure that that they'll man mark the guy that gets the ball up the field. And Bob Lilly is like kind of the almost he's the king of USL in general, but he's also the king of making sure you don't do what you're supposed to do well. And I think that that's going to be very difficult for Red Bull to, to decipher because they're not, they, they, they're still learning their own system. So Lily, I think is going to really be taking advantage of, of that and hoping that he can steal a goal and then park the mega bus in front of the goal. <laughs> Joe, Joe, counterpoint. Um. <laughs> well, the one the one thing I can always point to when these two teams meet is it's always a physical battle, and I know we talked about early, like how a lot of these guys on Red Bull Two are not um, not really grown into their bodies yet, and a lot of these veteran teams know how to to, to kind of knock them around. This is this is going to be the the kind of um, uh, the pinnacle of like, hey, this is going to be your like the physical, the most physical game you play in this uh, this year because, like, it, we've all seen it. Bob Lilly teams, there's always when they ever these two teams meet, there's always red cards, there's always a lot of fouls, always a lot of yellow cards. But this Red Bull two team this year seems to have a lot of chip on. They seem to have a chip on their shoulder. They've gotten, I mean, they they seem to have, uh, you know. They they like to they like to commit a lot of fouls. They they get they piled up a lot of yellow cards this year. So maybe they can kind of kind of counterpunch uh, Pittsburgh this this week and you know kind of I'm not saying beat them at their own game, but kind of show them hey like we're this isn't going to be like your typical game. We're gonna we're we're going to um, we're going to try and impose ourselves on this game as well. I think yeah, just try try okay. not to get we just try not to get a we met in the back. Um, i think i think the danger of playing that kind of game against team like this is if you give them a lot of set piece opportunities in your half of the field because uh bigger uh smarter savvier veterans maybe not smarter maybe that's not fair but savvier veterans on a team like uh, the river hounds i think can take advantage of those kinds of opportunities against the red bulls and look for space in the box against you know a smaller team all around um and you can maybe get them off their game by uh getting early yellow cards and and making it more difficult for them to really close down and, and pressure the way uh, you really want to I, in any event i think this is going to be a very tight scoreline per our usual Bob Lilly teams. Uh, and it's hard to, to figure out just which way it's really going to go. But we're going to make those predictions right now. Anthony, start us off. I'm saying this is going to be a 1-1 draw at uh, MTU Soccer Park. The most the most likely outcome, I think, for sure. What about you, Joe? Based on the fact that... Uh, 
the Pittsburgh's been struggling. I'm going to say Red Bulls 2 win this game one nothing. If Red Bulls are able to draw Pittsburgh away from their box and get in behind them, I think they have a very good chance of winning this game. But I also think that's very unlikely that Bob Lilly is going to let his team uh, do anything else but stay compact. I think, Anthony, you probably have it on uh, perfectly at 1-1. But I'm going to be the optimist this time around. I'm going to give it a one nothing win to the New York <laughs> Red Bulls, too. Let's go. Oof. Let's so go. The real question is... Um... What is uh, what? How on point will Bob Lilly's tracksuit be? Oh, uh, <laughs> obviously, a hundred percent. That guy, he doesn't. Do we anything also need halfway. to get him back on this show because he was one of my favorite interviews we've ever had. Yeah, for sure. I I gotta reach out to uh, you know, uh, Mike. I I doubt Mike is listening. Mike, if you're listening, <laughs> get me Lily. Get on the horn and get me Lily, Mike. You know who I'm talking to. <laughs> that's our friends uh, <laughs> over at bgn they um they uh if you are in the market for a uh great look at what we're going to be getting uh from bob lily's team there is no better place than the mongols podcast guys go to bgn.fm listen to mike and the group over there they are smart and they love that team, and they break it down just the way you need. Um, and I, and, and I, I just want to say this, too, because I think that sometimes we don't pump enough of the talent here in, in the United States. Like, Bob Lilly is, in my mind, there's Bruce Arena in MLS, who's kind of like literally the coach that defines the league, whether you agree with that or not, whatever. Um, <laughs> Bob Lilly is everything to usl soccer like just name you know rochester now pittsburgh bob Lilly really is below mls the coach that has just been tremendous so watch this game and really see how great of a team and how organized they are that he puts together and you know i think also it's worth saying that he's done this generally with teams that are not stocked with players that are, are no. necessarily going to find success everywhere, but they work so hard for him. Uh, and he, he just does. He's like the Arsene Wenger of, 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 of USL rather. You call him Arsene Wenger. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't quite have, he doesn't quite have the, uh, uh, the, the champion shops, uh, <laughs> championship chops year after year. But, um, he he's always going to compete regardless of his roster. Okay, uh, one nothing from me. What'd you say, Joe? One nothing. One nothing. Oh, oh, God, we're aligned. Okay, so two nothing from me. Um, one <laughs> nothing from Joe. <laughs> and one one from Anthony. Anthony's going to win this round for sure. Um, before we head out tonight, uh, we want to talk about uh, an incident that happened against Loudoun United um, during the match. Uh, in the audio, I. I didn't hear it until I went back and listened to the game very carefully. I watched a lot of that game on mute because I was with the kids and we were just reading and I had the TV on in the background. Uh, But Mandela Egbo sent out a tweet after the match, um, uh, which was highlighting his PK uh, kick and said, you know what? I should just pull up the tweet. That's probably the smart thing to do. do. I'm bad at this. 
It was in response to USL posting how cool and collected he was yes. taking the penalty against yes. Laos. Yes, thank you. And his response was, uh, one of our young strikers kept his ultimate cool when monkey chants were aimed at him by these same section of fans behind the goal. I would hope that audio from the whole second half's footage is being listened to very, very closely by the powers that be, uh, which of course is USL. Uh, they had their own response. Jeez, uh, I should have had all of this ready when we said we were going to talk about it, and I didn't. So you could blame me. Blamed. Blamed. Loud in. Oh, come on. Um, their, their response was like the boilerplate. Um, well, yeah. we're, lo- we're looking into it. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, could be anything. Um, Although they, they, they did one, one, the only thing that they did that I will give them credit for. Mm-hmm. First off, they, they responded to a player allegation not and didn't wait weeks later until the league made them say something true Two, Mm -hmm. they put a penalty in their statement which i which which i do want to give them i'll give them some credit for which is if we find xyz happen we they will be banned yes that's true i was like lifetime that that is great. I like to see that that is the direction forward. We're, you know, it, it is a good front that they put forward. For sure. I do. I do appreciate that. Uh, the Loudon Stampede, the section of fans that they're referring to, their statement was less uh, good. While we Shocker. believe, while we wasn't, believe wasn't this to be a case of misinterpretation, we welcome an investigation because, if true, this would represent heinous behavior that has no place in our beloved game. It uh, okay. Um, my the first thing that stands out to me is the idea that uh, black players who have suffered uh, racial abuse and not just in the game but in their lives uh, misinterpreting uh, monkey chants as anything but uh, racist banter from the crowd <sighs> I it I just it's one of those things that uh, boils my blood um, I don't understand I don't understand how they could look at uh, the situation one and not notice it happening because that's I think the idea here is that like okay maybe he misinterpreted some chance and you know it was in our section but uh, we didn't see it happen or hear it happen. Well, there's not even that many people in the stadium. No. Well, that, that yeah, that's the thing. So unlike us, and 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 we'll talk a little bit about our responses mm-hmm. to this thing in a second. Unlike us, we were not, un, like, we weren't there. True. Had we been there, had we had a person like, look, we, we like you and I have been in the stadium. Like I think, especially going back to the DDA drug bus situation at Red Bull <laughs> Arena. Yes. You and I were like standing there, so so we could tell somebody what actually happened those supporters have a responsibility for the actions and not just those supporters all supporters have a responsibility for their people to to check them to acknowledge when things happen and to say they welcome an investigation but i didn't hear anything blah 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 that's a little bit like oh, maybe you should say you're going to conduct your own investigation. Like it's just, I don't know. It 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 screams 
cover up from their perspective. And I know that saying that Loudon fans and probably DC United fans, but whatever, we're 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 New York Red Bulls podcast. Um, they're they're probably gonna hate that. But the truth is, is that there's a lot of smoke right now, and that was not a great response. Whereas the team, very different kind of response. It's almost worse that they said anything at all in that situation, because if you're going to come out with something so quickly, saying something that is so tone deaf uh, is just baffling. Yeah. (laughs) And yes, I fully agree with what you just said about it's not just that supporters group. It's any fans. It's it's being an ally. Being an ally is standing up for people who are being treated differently and wrongly uh, and that that's part of our jobs now, guys. I, I, it, yes. it should have been part of our jobs always, but, but now it's I, time. Yes, but he, here's the thing about being an ally that I'm that I'm going to put forward, um, especially to you, Joel Goldstein. I'll take it. <laughs> um, when, when when it comes to this, and this is I'm I'm only calling you out because of the Twitter that's back and forth that happened with this, um, and you're not the only one that does this. Um, there are a lot of journalists out there, both big and small, and I am of the smallest that, that comes that comes of this, where we report on these things. And there's a language that we have to use when we approach this. It's an emotionless and sometimes can be seen as divisive language that is not divisive. Um, we have to talk about the facts as they exist in the exact moment of which we put words to internet or words to paper. Um, and so we use certain words, you know, accusation, alleged, because we do not know the outcome as we approach this. And what we're doing in that moment is we're eliminating our opinion from the situation. My personal opinion as, as, a, as a not robotic journalist is I 100% believe Mandela Egbo. Now, going back and listening to that audio, I you can tell me that you heard things. I heard a lot of BS in that because USO has incredibly bad feeds. I hear a lot of stuff. I can like if someone tells me, hey, I heard this, I could be like, yeah, I can hear that. I can. Mandela Egbo's on the field. He scored a goal. There's no reason why he would say something like that happened. There's no reason to not believe him in, in that moment. So we, we have all written that up, and we've written up the response from Loudon, but we use the terminology that we use to make sure that we cover both ourselves and all of the bases that are around the facts. And when people come at us, what's happening is, or come at the language that we're coming at, is that people are making us the enemy and not the people that have done the thing that has happened. And so we are helping to get information out. We should never, ever be the center of attention in, in that. And so what I'm trying to say is put the effort in the right place towards the people that should be making action and use the words that we put forward to help that. Yeah, I, I I fully appreciate that stance of uh, of you need to be uh, emotionless in the way this is reported, but then also at the same time you make your own argument there that uh, 
Bandello Egbo is on the field. His team wins the game. He scores a goal. There's no reason not to believe him. And I think it would be it would behoove us all to treat incidents like that in a little bit more of a concrete way. I, I know what you're saying. That but that's you, what we did. That's what we did. We, 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 alleged and, and accusations alleged. versus calling out racist because, behavior because to me is not, not the been, same. Alleged and accusation are exactly what it has happened. Because there is another side to this. Whether we like or dislike the other side of that is irrelevant. There is another side to this. And until that side is brought forward, Loudon is responsible for that. If, if I had written this piece two months from now, after Loudon did their investigation, and after everything was, was brought before us, it would be very different. I wouldn't be using the word alleged. I did it 48 hours after it happened. And it's not just me. All the journalists are kind of running this. ESPN, Once a Metro, Dan Feuerstein, pick your choice. We all use kind of the same language because we're in the moment and we have to protect the integrity of the fact bases that we're using. So we're not diminishing what happened. What we are doing is living in the moment when pen goes to paper. And that's what happens in journalism. And that's, and that's how it works. Now, if we get more information as we go forward, like, for instance, and I'm just using this as, a, as an example, you know, we find some guy took a photo or a video on his phone of the Loudon guy doing the monkey chant right next to him, and he's got it on the video, different story. This is, you know, or, you know, this is not um, on, the, on the level of Zenity Zidane headbutting somebody right in front of the camera. Um that we we have to address it as is because we have to protect the integrity of that. Because when you write that article at that time, you're not writing an opinion piece. You're not writing something from your personal stance. You're writing it based on the facts that are presented in front of you. And those can be incredibly gray. We, we all like to think of facts as black and white. But they're not. And over the last year, especially with this pandemic, all of us know that that they are const- the facts are constantly changing. And this is why we write the way that we do, because in day to day, we don't know where the facts are going to go. I, th- I think that you can make the point that known facts are changing, but facts themselves cannot change by definition. No, they absolutely can change. They absolutely no, can they change. No, they cannot. Because we don't- facts are yes, facts. That's what makes them no, facts. No, they're not. They, they, can, they change all the time. The more we learn day after day, facts change. So it's just like the, the, the meaning, what we the know meaning today, of facts might change, but facts themselves do not. Yeah. And, and there is no fact right now. Unfortunately, I, I would disagree no with that. There is no fact true that what Mandela Igbo say is 1000% there for everybody to see there is bad usl audio it's not that bad and you know what i i think that i think that it is clearly heard at several points in the broadcast because i've gone back and listened to it because once once again once i I put my name out there and said anything about it i want to stress this again i believe mandela yeah yeah no oh yeah no 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 question about that and i think having believed him you know, it would behoove us to take an approach that that puts the spotlight on not the allegation, but on the racist behavior. And again, you're right. You're not the bad guy in that situation. 
but I think but you that's... Put, you're the one that put the I shouldn't say you are like people like people who say things like what you did coming at coming journalists at, that use the words allegations you're bringing the 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 focus to us and not to the issue okay okay I think that's a fair viewpoint of it and my my lack of stake in writing anything like that or putting my name to to paper on anything like that uh, obviously will have its own, uh, um, not necessarily bias, but uh, uh, its own opinion on how that should be approached. Right? And I went through that once before with the Harambe issue, which we, you, you, me, and, and um, why am I blanking on his name right now? <laughs> Bill. Yes. Uh, Bill. I've, I've blanked on about. Bill. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm sorry, Bill. I love you. Um, <laughs> like, you know, you know, we've joked about on this podcast many, many, many times, but we were sitting in a building that no, when no one was watching this feed and nobody cared. And FC Cincinnati fans, no, it was Red Bull fans. I'm sorry. It was Red Bull fans. Red Bull fans were making Harambe chants at FC Cincinnati players. And I, at that very moment, sitting in, in the press box, made mention of... I don't think you guys should be talking about gorillas to a bunch of players out on the field. And, and not, not just gorillas, but Harambe had been co-opted as a racist yes, uh, meme at that absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I'm still made fun of by Red Bull supporters. Yeah. Over that. Like, nigga, it's tongue in cheek now, but it's it's still an awkward thing that happened. So it's it's not something that's just like Loudon or, or anybody else. It's a, it's a, it's a legit thing. That is happening across the soccer sports spectrum in general, in that we we really have to look inside. But when it comes to being a journalist, and this is what I learned at that moment, was you have to detach your emotional connection to it in order to report properly on it. And there's a level of sometimes painful words that you have to use in the moment to be able to properly express without emotion that point that has happened. I, I, this is not the last that I'm going to write about that, by the way. We're, we're going to wait. For sure. We're going to follow up with Loudon. We're going to make sure. And if they don't do anything in the next like month, we're going to be like, hey, we've heard nothing. Da, da, da. We're going to do our due diligence to make sure we get to the bottom of it. And I 100% trust you and the other journalists who would be involved in writing those stories to do that. All I think, and I don't necessarily think it's an emotional thing, and I don't think it's it's without uh, strong evidence. Because again, like I, I don't, I'm half deaf, you know, and I can listen to these broadcasts and still hear monkey chants throughout. Um, the 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 problem is that, um, for only from my perspective, that we should be leading that call against the racist behavior as opposed to highlighting the allegation. And I don't think that we're ever going to get to a place where we both agree with that. Um, and well, that, that's okay with should me. More than anybody else. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the big pain of this whole thing, is that journalists are not supporters. Right. Or when you put on that supporter hat, if you, if, if you are a supporter and you put on that journalism hat, you have to take the other hat off. Yeah. And... But you, if you are a supporter, and we know a lot of people, especially in the Red Bull organization, I know a lot of people at Viking Army and a lot of other people that have done really great stuff. 
to make sure that they, they cover this particular topic. Um, that, that, that they are responsible for the people around them. And I think that that's where most of the, the responsibility should be aimed towards, mm-hmm. more so than the journalist, unless there's a journalist who does something ridiculously egregious. And I'm not, and look, there are definitely those that do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, like I, I, I appreciate uh, your position that, um, that you, the journalists are not the bad guys there. And that's why it's not, you know, me uh, getting on Twitter and being like, look at these awful journalists and the awful things they do. Right. My, my quote was, we need to do better. Uh, And, you know, I'll stand by that. I don't think that it's wrong for you guys to have your opinion. Just like you said that to me that uh, you're welcome to your opinion. I thought you had an eloquent response. Um, It's, it's just a, a matter of, of, I think, looking at that situation and deciding how comfortable you are with uh, calling that a fact. In my perspective, I think I would be very comfortable saying that uh, this is a thing that happened rather than allegedly happened. And, and it's a difficult thing to do. Um, And so, and and like, unless you've ever, and I mean, we've all, by we all, I mean, you, me and Jostine, we've all been in these positions, unfortunately. Um, it sucks, and and I hope that we never are in the, in this position again. But we probably will be, unfortunately, in the near future. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> I don't think there's any way to get around it. It was such a uh, hyper uh, charged time right now, uh, and I think greater as long and greater as numbers. Lawless is still out there. We <laughs> yeah. will have these conversations. Greater and greater numbers of of people who are underrepresented. Um, uh, with voices in uh, the media or just uh, in general are getting that voice. And there's a lot of pushback against, you know, casual racism, which I think is, is one of the, the worst problems of, of all racism is uh, people who do not understand uh, that they're, they're being racist in the ways that they are racist. And I'm, I'm, I welcome that. I'm glad it's happening. And hopefully, like you said, we can, be done with this for a little a little while and that sooner or later soccer supporters and people everywhere will just stop being shitheads fuck you racist stop being shitheads hell yeah <laughs> sorry Amen. joe we made you sit there through all that but <laughs> no it's, it's 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 fine it's fine i mean i i i, I mean I don't really have much to add other than like you know it, it i just wish this would stop and it's just completely unacceptable and and every and like i just don't i i i don't i i i it's hard to put into words like how angry i get when i see something like this because this is something that should never it it seems like it happens more often than not and i feel like as a society we just need to be better like and people need to be called out for this type of behavior like if you see there if you're sitting there and you see something like that, you need to say something like you can't if you're if you essentially are sitting there and don't say anything. In my opinion, you don't look any better than the person doing the action. Yeah, you become complicit in the action. It is uncomfortable. It is not a great conversation to have, but it is an but important it's a convers- conversation. It's a conversation that needs to be had for sure. And it's one and it's one that we experience a lot more than often, particularly in sporting venues. Yep. 
I I am a diehard baseball fan, and I cannot tell you how, how many times in my life I've had awkward situations in baseball stadiums. Soccer is no different. My only saving grace is that I've spent the last seven years being in the press box as opposed to being in the supporter section. Yeah, fair. Very fair. Um, I don't think that there's anything else that we can cover tonight that's going to top that. Nope. Uh, uh, this Friday uh, uh, at MSU, Red Bulls 2 take on Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, Anthony says that's going to be a... 1-1 one, one draw. Joe, you say... 1-0 Red Bull 2 win. And to be different, I called it 2-0. I'm definitely going to be wrong here. So <laughs> I'm okay with that, I guess. Um, we are on Twitter. I'm I'm not even going to promote my Twitter, but you can follow us at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. At RB News Network. Follow it for all the Red Bull <laughs> news for New York Red Bulls and New York Red Bulls 2. I am at Jsteen15. I... I was trying to come up with a way to be like, you could follow it for the alleged Red Bulls news. (laughs) You could say for the alleged Red Bull news on um, Salzburg and Leipzig. There you go. They're allegedly going to be good teams next year. Ooh, ooh, shots fired. I love it. Okay. Okay. we're also on Facebook. I'm not going to do all of that stuff. Uh, uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor. We're on anchor.fm now. Uh, come find us there. Of course, we're part of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, covering MLS, USL, Premier League, NWSL. Uh, we're sponsored by Icarus FC. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And last but not least, we're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. For myself, for Jostine, for Anthony, Merced, thank you very much and have a great day.